It's time to break down what went right and what went wrong during yesterday's game. Severe Reaction is on the air with your host, Michael Severe, and the most important voice of all, yours. Severe Reaction starts now. Powered by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally, only on 1620 The Zone. It is a double tight end set. Underneath center, they give it off to Grant, up the middle, to the 30, to the 35, comes to the outside, 40, he's to midfield, he's to the 40, angled out of bounds at the 39-yard line of Minnesota, big blast off the left side for Anthony Grant. Right off the bat, 12 personnel, Nebraska getting big and playing physical up front, and how about this, a downhill run. Nebraska knocking on points door. Third and one for the two. Gophers trying to get fired up on defense. Two back set. Huskers go with Orkutcher as an H-back. Grant behind Chubba. They fake the handoff. Chubba keeps it himself. Touchdown, Nebraska. What a drive for the Huskers. They take a 6-0 lead. Boy, that was a thing of beauty. 30 seconds left. Second and seven. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Stepping up, gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. Yeah, risk-reward. I, I, there's just, I, I don't understand it. You put your quarterback in harm's way, and that was. Gets a snap. Zone Reed gives it off to Ibrahim in their touchdown. His 14th rushing touchdown of the year, and Minnesota beat AT away from tying the game. Extra offensive lineman out there now, straight eye formation. Ibrahim the back, the deep back. He gets the handoff left side, off the left edge, dives, touchdown, Minnesota. And the Gophers have scored 19 unanswered points here in the second half. Again, a pretty gutsy effort by Nebraska. There were some really good things, particularly offensively in the first quarter. And then Logan Smothers gave him a spark in the fourth quarter. So you're going to hear a lot of quarterback questions coming up for the press conference with Mickey Joseph. But Minnesota is now postseason bow with a victory today. They're back to 3-3 three and three in conference play. And Nebraska falls to 3-6 and six with a loss here today. There'll be a lot, man, there'll be a lot of plays that keep you up tonight. It was a two-score game. They stayed with their game plan. When you play a team like that, you got to really get a three score. It's three scores up on them before they can change their game plan. It's a two score. They're comfortable. They're going to continue to do it. Just like the old wish, like we said, it was wishbone offense. So they was going to stick with their game plan as long as it was a two score game because it was in reach. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome to Severe Reaction here on 1620 The Zone. You should be plenty rested this morning because you got the hour back. You fell back. You should be feeling good. Um, not about the game, obviously, or not overall Saturday, unless, you know, watching Alabama lose and Clemson lose and makes you excited, which it should. But you should be rested because we fell back. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was it. I don't believe we change anymore because the federal government, I know, passed legislation to say we're getting rid of daylight savings time or we're going to go with the regular time or one of the two, we're going to stick to one. So I think maybe that might have been the last one, or maybe we have one more coming up in the spring. But we're almost done with changing our clocks. But hopefully you're well-rested today coming off of an early game yesterday. Of course, Nebraska falls 20-13 to to Minnesota. The fourth consecutive loss to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. The last time, the last time Nebraska lost four straight games to Minnesota. 
the 1940s. Now, I did not know this. I looked it up this morning. Nebraska got swept for the decade by Minnesota. That was Minnesota's high mark as a football program. Whether it be the 30s or the 40s, that was their high mark. Minnesota swept Nebraska in the 40s. Now they've won four in a row. P.J. Fleck, a guy that I know the majority of the fan base cannot stand, again goes out to the middle of the field and gives a long hug and, and, and speech to a Nebraska coach, you know, whispering in their ear, you're going to be a great coach. You're going to do this. Get off me, okay? I lost. I don't want to be hugging you. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's the way another game ends with Nebraska and Minnesota. And it was a Minnesota game, right? It was exactly like some others have felt. This time, Nebraska was the team that was down with injuries. But one team came out and played well early. And then everything kind of falls apart and the other team takes over, right? It's, it's what we've seen. The numbers are ridiculous. We'll go over some of them later. But the comparisons from the first quarter to the rest of the game, the comparisons of the run game, heck, the comparisons of what kind of spark they got from Logan Smothers compared to Chubba Purdy, it's incredible to look at. And we will. We'll, we'll get into those. But, of course... Important part of this is taking your phone calls, your well-rested phone calls. 402-951-1620 is the number. Of course, we are brought to you by Equal Bank, where they take banking personally, and we'll answer the phone on the first wing ring. We don't necessarily answer it on the first ring, but within a couple of rings, usually. Let's go to the let's go to the phones. Hey, did, is that right about the daylight say? Oh, isn't it the last one? Didn't the the federal government ended up changing that? Didn't I know. They? I saw a thing where Rubio had proposed legislation, but it hasn't been signed. Multiple states already passed it. Oh. And I know it went through the Senate. Going through And I a... thought it went through the House already, but maybe it has. I have to look that up. I don't know. We're almost done with it. I Mr. Joe that. hasn't signed it yet. Mr. Joe. As far hasn't... as I know. Mr. Joe. Hey, what's up, Uncle Joe? Uh, let's go to the phones. That's where Walt is this morning. Good morning, Walt. How you doing? Hey, man. I'm doing okay. <laughs> Let me see. We've got. We're trying to find a head coach, and the elections are coming up, and you're talking a little politics in the morning. <laughs> Did, oh, man. What was it? Politics is. No politics, yeah, just. Me. I love it. Just, there's, I don't think there's anything that more, is more universally hated in the world than moving the clocks. Complete speculation. N- nobody likes it. <laughs> I am with you. I'm with you. Hey, hey, Mike, first of all, I want to say, man, I, I think you're awesome, dude. I love to hear you more during the week, not just on Sundays. Kind of miss you during the weekday. I just want to throw that phone out there. Thanks, Walt. I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, because you got some great insight. Hey, uh, a couple things. I think you, you look at our program and you look at it from, let's go back just quickly just a little bit, even even from Frank Stolich all the way through with the various coaches that have come in, everybody's had a different system. Sure. And so everybody recruited athletes to that system. And if during that time frame, the last 10, 12, 14 years, whatever, other than during the time of Bo, even during Bo, where, we lot, where we've only been able to keep you know 20% of these four or five stars that we've recruited, I mean, what does that say about the program itself? We, we really need consistency. I really think we're in this high mark of um, we need somebody that can be a CEO that knows what they're doing from day one and not needing to be trained into it. I'm not kicking Mickey because I'm here to tell you what Mickey has been able to just hold together for this state. I mean, this, I might sound a little, a little bit you know, out there, but Man, put a little trophy, put a trophy or something out there in front of the stadium because I think in the long run we're going to see what Mickey did, even in the struggles of this season, was vital to the success that has yet to come. Yeah, Walt. Well, imagine, imagine that. if Scott Frost is is coach for the whole season, it goes exactly oh. the same. There's no feeling of hope or energy at all if it wasn't for Mickey being in there. 
Yeah, and, and I think you look at it, I think you see it with the fans, right? The yep. fans were staying in the, in, the, in, in the game a little bit longer, even though they were just wishing something would happen. Yeah. But but I but I do think it's we're at this stage now where whatever coach it is, he already has to then a CEO who can come in and make. Oh, there's so many things that need to be changed and righted. Um, I, and I love Mickey, Mickey. I love for Mickey to stay on staff. But um, but I think the other thing is, man, supposedly we got six quarterbacks, <laughs> and these two are the best we've got in the backup. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's what's defeating. You've got so many players in this program that are not being developed. So when one person goes down, it's like we don't have anybody. How can you not have anybody when you have four tackles on scholarship, four guards on scholarship, you know, six quarterbacks? And I didn't get the whole grant explanation even from Mickey that we took him out because he was a little winded. You know that the running back for Minnesota didn't come out but maybe one play. Grant gets better with play. Um, That made no sense to me and whip. Man, obviously, if Mickey gets it, whoever gets it, I mean, he has to go. The next three games, he's going to run his system, regardless of what Mickey says. I don't understand where the tight ends are. It looks like our, our these guys can't throw very well down the field. Then let the tight ends get 10 or 12 catches for three or four yards. It's an extension, possibly, of your run game. But he won't change. It looks like our quarterbacks are always sitting back. They're waiting for something to happen. And either they throw an interception, it's an incomplete, or they get sacked. It's taking too long for an offensive line that is not very well coached. And the last thing, I can't believe this kid from Nebraska got, you know, got out of the state and is going to Oklahoma State. How did we even miss out on that? That troubles me as well. So I want to hear what you got to say, Mike. Once again, you're awesome, man. I'd love to hear you during the weekday. Thanks, Walt. I really appreciate it. Starting with Zane Flores, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I say this all the time. I, the first time I saw Zane throw live, in person, um, it was against Scott. And he came out, and the first three or four throws he threw, I said, "Woo, boy's got a big arm. And I watched the whole game, and he had two senior receivers, and I said, well, maybe maybe he looks so good because his senior receivers are making him look so good. And then I saw him the next year, and I said to myself, wow, he's gotten better, and he's bigger now. He's actually a little taller than he was before. His arm's a little stronger. Hey, wow, he's a heck of a little runner there, too. Then he goes into the state championship games and plays against a Westside team that is really good, loaded, talent all over the place. And he makes the throws to win the game. And then you watch him this past Friday night again. Team needs a play. He makes the play. He makes throws that make you go, wow, that is a big boy throw. I don't know. It had to do with simply Scott Frost and I guess Mario Verduzco choosing not to offer him. Didn't think he was the guy. And there's still fans out there that say, oh, I saw him in camp and he had shorts on and he didn't throw the ball well. I've seen him seven times in person. Seven times in pads against competition that actually is trying to stop him. And he always makes the big throw. It's what he does. I don't know. He should be here. It sucks. Uh, let's go back to the phones, and we'll get to more of what, uh, what Walt was talking about as well, about Mickey and, and the choice of whatever they're going to do for head coach. Let's go to Val first. Go ahead, Val. Hey, Michael. How are you this morning? I'm all right, man. How you feeling? Oh, good, good. I'm a little frustrated after yesterday was the first day that I uh... – Really watched football because of the matchups were so good. Yeah, but then I just that uh, you know Nebraska isn't in the league with any of the big names, and they shouldn't be. But uh, on the on the lower end, the Purdue's, Minnesotas, we should be beating these teams. We really, we at least we should be super competitive till the very end of a game. Yeah, and not get beat down. Remember years ago when Herm Edwards said, "You play to win the game." Sure. 
our second half team seems to be you play to not lose the game or something, if, if you can understand that. It just, uh, we come out with the sword over our head and it, it just seems to fall down on us. But what happened yesterday to me, um, in the, second, the end of the last two series in the first half, I believe, and then the opening three, four, five series where we did absolutely nothing, yeah. just highlights, it kind of highlights where we are as a team. One, we're, we're still arrogant to think the people we have are so good. We're not, uh, they're not being coached up because of Neil and because of the state of recruiting today. I think we're playing favorites. Uh, Trevor was uh, a deer in the headlights when he played in the second half. And uh, Mothers, he, he could get the job done if there was a little confidence instilled in him. But I think uh, until we start to develop an identity, which we haven't had for 20 years, the last consistent quarterback in our system was Joe Gans, and that was 14 years ago, uh, until we uh, start to develop who we are. Do we run? Do we pass? Are we 50-50? But something, you know, we're, we're always going to have this problem. The, the defense, my hat's off to them because I, I can't imagine what it's like to go out there series after series with, uh, you know, less than a couple-minute break and and try to win games. It just can't be done. So I'm ready to give uh, Mickey uh, a vote of confidence, and uh, hopefully uh, he would uh, pick up recruiters. I'm enjoying what uh, Bush is doing with the defense and special teams, but uh, we have to uh, really establish an identity, and I think that's going to take a lot more time than we want. Thanks, Michael. Hey, Val, I appreciate it. Um, I will say that in terms of the quarterback position, uh, Taylor Martinez was uh, the offensive player uh, of the year in, I believe that was still the Big 12. Um, uh, and oh, was it the first year of the Big 12? He, at one point, he was the offensive player of the year. Uh, he had a lot of times where, or Taylor, Taylor Martinez was very consistent for a couple of years. Yes, they had some games where they didn't win or he didn't play great, but he still played well enough. And I think Adrian Martinez had moments too. So as good as Joe Gans was, and Joe Gans had his share of mistakes too, when you go back and you watch him um, and some of the games he had in 08. But I think overall, they've had some good quarterbacks. Even Tommy Armstrong did some things well. The problem is what you said. You called it identity. The first week of the season, I came on here and I said, after they lost to Northwestern, I said they need a gospel, right? And I'm not talking about the books of the Bible. I'm talking about what the word gospel really means, right? And we're talking about you need a laid out structure of your beliefs, right? A laid out. Minnesota has a laid out structure of their beliefs. Eventually, what we do, what we believe in will work. Yesterday, Mo Abraham went 32 carries for 133 yards. 32 carries for 133 yards. Net 128. The first half, he did nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Most of the third quarter, he didn't do much. But eventually, their gospel, the things they believe in, paid off. Right? They do the same thing. You got play action pass. You got some waggle stuff they do. And you run the ball. You get heavy and you run the ball. That's what they believe in. That's what they stuck with. In the second quarter, Mo was 5 for 11 rushing. 5 for 11. Quarterback-wise, they were 3 of 4 for 12 yards. In the first half, 
Minnesota averaged 1.2 yards per play. Maybe the worst thing that happened was the end of the half, the sack by Nelson or the sack by Robinson ended the half and apparently banged up Tanner Morgan so he couldn't come back in. The backup comes in and just plays much better, mainly because he introduces the run a little bit more and he threw the ball down the field. But the key was staying with their gospel and their gospel is running the damn ball. And they're going to do it with huge tight end. Number 87, their tight end. He's not even the starter. He's the blocking tight end. Every time he comes on that line of scrimmage, the rush in on the opposite side must say to himself, God, again? This guy again? This 270-pound, six-foot-six guy is going to run over me again? And they do it over and over and over. And it started to turn in the third quarter. 12 carries for 56 yards for Mo Ibrahim. It was turning. Everything was turning. By that point, they started throwing the ball better. 6 of 10 for 137 in the third quarter. And then by the time we got to the fourth quarter, what did you have? You had a Mo Ibrahim that was feeling good, that was lubed up, that was that knew that the defenders maybe weren't going to put everything they had into it because they had been tackling him now for three quarters. He goes 12 for 54 in the fourth. Just consistency. Consistency of message, staying with your gospel. Went over it the whole first week after the, North, the Northwestern loss. How many different messages has this team had over the course of the last eight years? Just go last eight years. How many messages have they had? The Bow era ends, and even at the end of the Bow era, was trying to change some things they were doing in 2014. Got away from what made them really good. From And they were. You go back and you look at the offense in 09 and how bad it was. And then look at 10, 11, 12, and even 13 at times. Remember, Martinez gets hurt early in the year and it's Tommy Armstrong mixing up with Ron Kellogg. Even then, they ran the damn ball. 64, 65% of the time, they ran the ball. And they had quarterback run as part of it. And that's what it took to have a successful offense. Yeah, they didn't win every game, but they had a consistency of message. Then Bo leaves, and what's the message then? Mike Riley didn't want to run the ball. He didn't. He proved that to you. Didn't even know how to put together a quarterback run game. I remember sitting in the stands at a practice, and Joe Gans pointing out that they had the quarterback and the running back not in the right alignment to run the mesh they needed to run because they didn't know how to coach it. They hadn't ever run it before. But they had the talent and the personnel to run it, so they tried and they couldn't. Then they said, well, we got to change this. we got to do something different. And in 2016... They had their best season. It was a weaker schedule to start off, but they still they got to their message. What made them good? What had made Mike Riley's offenses successful throughout his career when they were successful at Oregon State? So you knew. Then what happened to 2017? Completely different message on defense. Mark Banker to Bob Diaco was a disaster. And that didn't help anybody. When everything is going that poorly, the only thing that went well in 2017, really, was special teams. Because Bob Diaco coached the punters, and Kittle Lightborn had a really good year. That was it. <laughs> Other than that, it was a mess. So that was a situation where they got away from the message again by changing. Mark Banker actually had a really good defensive year in 2016. He just had a really bad game against Iowa, made a bad quote. It was a bloodbath in practice they must have. That's how they play so well. And all of a sudden, they make a change. So you're going to get another message in 2018, right? But Scott Frost is going to come in here, and they're going to go fast. They're going to practice fast. They're going to play fast. They're going to be fast and physical. They're going to mix Oregon and old-time Nebraska. Never got there. Never got close to it. 
had some moments in 08, I mean in, in 2018 with Divine Zigbo. You have to find your gospel. What is the message you're delivering from that pulpit and what action you're doing from the message? You have to. And they haven't been able to do that again. Can Mickey do that as a head coach? I don't know. He hasn't had the opportunity to do it before on a full-time basis with his guys. If it's if I'm Trev, if I am Trev Alberts, and my legacy as an athletic director at Nebraska is contingent on this hire, which it is. Trev is closer to the end than he is the beginning because of his age and everything else. I'm not saying he's old, but he's closer to the end than he is the beginning. This is it. This is the hire that determines his legacy. Am I going with someone who hasn't been a head coach at this level before? Or am I going to take a chance with a guy who's been successful building a program? It's a hard decision, I know. A lot of people like Mickey. I love Mickey. But it's a hard decision for for um, Trev to make. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll look at some of the discrepancies and what happened. We'll also go over some of those possible coaches' candidates. Um, it keeps changing every single week. We'll talk about that as well. And we'll go back to Rumor Thursday from this past week and go out how all that happened as well. They're on severe reaction on 1620 The Zone.